Good morning once again. For those who came in late, I, would, I wouldn't dare assume that anybody came in after the announcements today, but for those who did and you don't know me, my name's Mark. I'm the pastor here. Um, excited to welcome you guys here this morning. We are, surprise, surprise, if you've been coming for a while, we're in the book of Mark. We've been in the book of Mark since the start of the year, taking our time, going through this. Uh, there's, just, there's just a lot going on in this book. And it, but I hope that you guys have been enjoying this series. I, I really have. I, we've never gone through an entire book of, of one of the Gospels before. We've never done that. We've gone through some of the shorter, shorter books, you know, Galatians and things like that. And those have been a lot of fun. But to actually go through an entire Gospel, I mean, you can just see how much content is, is in here, right? There's just lesson after lesson after lesson. And it's, it's been really exciting. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so if you have your Bibles today, we're in chapter 10. So go ahead and turn to chapter 10. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, I always like to tell you, if you don't have a Bible with you here today, we have free Bibles on our welcome table. If you want to get up right now and go grab one, uh, nobody's going to look at you weird. Go ahead and go grab one um, so you can follow along if you'd like or pull up your Bible on your phone. I know a lot of people like to use it that way. Um, but yeah, we're going to be in chapter 10 today, like I said. Last week, we read about Jesus. Uh, he was foretelling his coming, suffering, and his death, and his resurrection for the third and final time to his disciples. And what we saw is that his disciples, they still don't seem to fully understand his mission. Right? They still aren't quite getting it. He's, he's telling them over and over again, this is the mission of the Messiah. This is what I've come to do. And they're still, they're still not quite grasping it. And last week we saw that James and John, they still seem to think that, that Jesus is going to reestablish this, this great earthly kingdom again for the Jews. And, and, and they actually they request to be placed in, in these seats of honor when it comes about. They're still not quite grasping what this kingdom is that Jesus is bringing. Um, but Jesus shares with them what it truly means to follow him, that, that to follow him means sacrificing earthly glory and prosperity because there is a far greater reward in heaven. In the, in the kingdom to come, there's a far greater re reward. And Jesus, I mean, he's, he's entirely focused on his mission at this point. Okay, his mission to, to go and to suffer, to, to die on the cross, to pay for the sins of the world. Jesus is really, he's narrowing in. He's getting closer and closer to that. And so he's narrowing in on that, entirely focused on it. Because actually, Jesus is on his final journey right now, as we're reading. He's on his final journey to Jerusalem to do just that. And he knows it. He fully knows what's coming and the pain and the suffering that he's walking into. And the reason I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, I want you to keep that in mind as we read today. Keep that in mind as we read throughout the rest of the book of Mark. Because for anyone else willingly walking into certain pain and, and death like that, I doubt they would be as continually focused on ministering to other people the way that Jesus does. We see him continue to do that. And so today, we're actually going to re read about another healing from Jesus. Um, we see plenty of these types of miracles throughout the Gospels, okay? Lots of healings, lots of amazing miracles, 
A lot of times we read passages even that say that Jesus healed many people in this area. He healed many people. Um, and I, I think that if the gospel writers went into full detail like they do in the, the passage that we're going to read today, there's, there's something to take from it. Um, I think if they did that with every miracle and healing that Jesus did, you probably wouldn't be able to read through the Gospels. You would never be able to get through the entire New Testament. So he, they narrow in on specific ones that have specific lessons for us to take away from. And that's what we're going to see today. They describe this one in detail. Um, now, it's most widely believed that the, the book of Mark, um, that, that Mark wrote his gospel from listening to Peter's firsthand accounts of following Jesus. Mark, Mark wasn't following Jesus. That was afterwards, after Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, but but this, these are Peter's firsthand experiences that Mark is actually sharing, just so you guys know. So obviously this healing that we're going to read about today made an impression on Peter. Okay, So let's, let's read it and see if we can understand why. But first, I want us to to ask ourselves this question, okay? I, I want you to ask yourself, when it comes to God, have you ever felt like an outsider or that you were just kind of relegated to the sidelines? Have you ever felt that way? Now, I know everybody here, we all have completely different stories of how we've, we've come to faith. Um, some, of you, some of you grew up in faith, um, gave your lives to Jesus at an early age, um, others didn't come to know Jesus until much later in life. We all have a different story. And there are still others here today, I know, that, that have not fully accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their lives. And that's, that's fine. That's great because there's no better place to be if you haven't yet than right here. But whether you've been a believer for a long time or, or you just recently found Jesus or still seeking him, I think we've all experienced this um, idea of being on the sidelines when it comes to following Jesus. At one time or another in our lives, we've all experienced this. And I would say that if we're truly honest with ourselves, we all continue to struggle with things that make us feel sidelined, that prevent us from fully devoting 100% of our will and our lives over to following Jesus. So let's ask ourselves that today. What's keeping you on the sidelines? Is it because you still have doubts about who Jesus is? Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe you're still questioning that, still, still trying to understand who Jesus really is. Or maybe, I know many people struggle with the idea that you struggle with believing that Jesus truly wants to save you. Or maybe you're upset with things that have happened in your life, and you blame God for that. You, you feel it's, it's unfair, and so you have these things that you're harboring. Or for, or for many of us, it's simply a lack of prioritizing, putting, putting other things in our life ahead of being on mission with Jesus. Now think about that, though, as we, as we read through the passage today, because we're going we're gonna to see someone who felt like they were on the sidelines, Okay, But the reaction we see to Jesus that this person has, there's, there's a great lesson to be taken for all of us here today. So we're going to be 
Like I said in chapter 10, we're going to be starting in verse 46 today. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, literally meaning son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, like I said, it's, it, that's, that's the literal meaning of his name, is son of Timaeus. He's a, a blind beggar on the side of the road. I mean, this guy is literally sidelined, isn't he? On the side of the road begging. Begging for, for help from anybody that's, that's willing to give it to him. See, people with, with disabilities in this time in history, I mean, they, they had no way of caring for themselves. They didn't have the things that we have today. So, you know, technology offers so many things for people with disabilities, but they didn't have that in, in this time. So they were completely dependent on the mercy of other people. They really were. This was all that this man could do. Sit on the side of the road and hope for pity from other people. And think about that. The most he could hope for was maybe some money or some food from people passing by each day. That was the most he could hope for. But there's a different level of hope that we see on this day. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and Bartimaeus, he suddenly begins to hope for something more than just a handout to get through the day. He, be, he begins to believe that there's, there is hope for something more, a, a greater act of mercy than just filling his empty stomach. This man, he's been sidelined in life because of his disability. And as we're reading here, that, as if that isn't enough, his disability has sidelined him. The crowd is trying to sideline him as well, to keep him sidelined. See, he's, a, he's this lowly beggar, they think. How dare he come and, and bother this respected teacher that all of these people are following, and trying to learn from, trying to hear from. How dare, how dare this lowly person bother Jesus of Nazareth? See, the world has put Bartimaeus in his place. The world has taught him that he's worthless. He has no purpose in life. His place in society is to beg for scraps from everybody else. And that's what the crowd is continuing to teach him today. And I would ask the question, does the world operate any differently today? Maybe we don't belittle those with physical disabilities like they they did in ancient times, um, but we still have those viewed as lowly in our society today. There are still some in our world that the crowd shouts down as unworthy. But Jesus says something different because the kingdom of God is contrary to earthly kingdoms. We've already seen Jesus teach over and over again this, this upside-down kingdom of God. 
It's upside down where the least will be greatest. And those who think they are the greatest will be least. See, Bartimaeus, he dares to hope for something more than what the world is giving, what the world is offering. And he's, and he's, but he's shouted back down by the crowd. And really think about that. These are people, this crowd, these are people that are following Jesus. People that claim to have some level of belief in the Messiah. These are the people shouting him down. There's probably a great lesson for us here to not ever consider people hopeless or a waste of time. Those of us who would consider ourselves followers of Jesus should never see somebody as beyond redemption, as hopeless. Let's not be the ones who shout down those seeking Jesus. And it's also, it's a lesson for the outsider who isn't part of the religious crowd. That Jesus hears you and he sees you too. We're going to see that. See, Bartimaeus, he, he ignores the crowd, doesn't he? He's obviously heard about Jesus and he's so desperate and, and he's so desperate that he's willing to offend those that are following Jesus to reach Jesus, for Jesus to hear him. These are the people he'd usually be begging from and he's willing to shout through them to get to Jesus. In fact, I think that while this man is physically blind, he is the one actually seeing Jesus far clearer than anyone else in the crowd that day. He calls him son of David, a title reserved for the Messiah. Bartimaeus recognizes the true identity of Jesus. That he isn't simply a great Jewish teacher, but the Messiah, the Savior. And as I mentioned before, Jesus, is, he's on his last journey, heading to Jerusalem, where he knows he's going to be given over to be tortured and put on a cross. He's almost there. Jericho um, is probably only a, a day, a day's walk probably from Jerusalem. The ancient road between Jericho and Jerusalem was only about 18 miles. He is very close to Jerusalem where he knows what's going to happen. His most difficult task is right ahead of him. And I'm, I, I'm sure that it's weighing heavy on Jesus at this time. But he still takes the time to stop for Bartimaeus. Let's read on. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want for me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Jesus pauses on his death march to Jerusalem. He pauses, and through the crowd of people following him, he hears Bartimaeus. And the crowd silencing him, he hears that too. Numerous times now, we've seen Jesus trying to teach those following him about humility, about, about ministering to the least of society. He's patiently been teaching this lesson over and over and so I wonder if maybe that's why, in this instance, 
rather than Jesus just turn and walk straight over to Bartimaeus himself, what does he say? He instructs the crowd to tell him to come over. He's teaching them. The same people who didn't want to pay any attention to Bartimaeus, wanted him to shut up, are now forced to pay attention to him. I think there are plenty of times we experience this in our own lives where we need to be corrected as well. And Jesus is really good at finding ways to humble us in those situations too, isn't he? And I think that's what he does with the crowd here. Bartimaeus, he's ignored the crowd and shouted to Jesus regardless, recognizing that hope only comes through the Messiah, that Jesus is his true and only hope. And Jesus hears him, calling for him to come to him. Look at how Bartimaeus reacts. It says he throws his coat aside. A poor blind beggar, do you think he would just casually toss his, his coat aside? In a crowd of people? Do you think there's much confidence in a blind person finding his coat afterwards? One of the few belongings he probably has? He throws his coat aside. He was so anxious to get to Jesus that he's casting off anything that's going to slow him down because he wants to get to Jesus. That is a level of desperation that some of us may may have seen before. I know I've seen it, most especially in addiction recovery. Every once in a while, I see somebody come through. And I can tell you it's few and far between. But every so often they come through and they are that desperate that they are willing to cast anything and everything aside to follow Jesus, to come to know him. See, when somebody hits rock bottom, when they have nothing else left, fully humbled and recognizing their absolute powerlessness, that's where desperation leads to this willingness to do whatever it takes to get better. And it's not just addicts, though. For many, many people, it takes coming to the end of ourselves in whatever capacity it is. It takes coming to the end of ourselves to finally see our need for Jesus, to see that he is our only hope. And he comes to us in our most desperate moments. I'm sure many of you have experienced that. When all, it seems like all is lost. He comes to us in those moments. When we are finally blind to everything else, when we become blind, we see the only thing that we need, that's Jesus. Bartimaeus was completely blind, but he fully saw and recognized Jesus. And Jesus asks the same question to Bartimaeus here that we saw him ask James and John last week, if you remember. He asks him, what do you want for me to do for you? He wants him to vocalize it. Tell me what you want. What do you need? What do you desire? What, what is it? James and John, if you remember last week, not recognizing how blessed they already are, probably, asked for more than they even understood they were asking for. They, they wanted the top positions of honor in Jesus' kingdom. That's what they wanted. Now contrast their request with this man's request. They wanted something extraordinary. This man, he just wants something ordinary. He just wants to be able to see. 
That's all he wants. He just wanted to be able to experience what, what everyone else experiences all the time without realizing how blessed they are. But his ability to see what most others did not shows just how blessed Bartimaeus really was. This man demonstrated that he didn't just want Jesus to restore his sight, but he fully believed that he could. He believed that. He had greater faith than we see many, many people who are following Jesus during this time. See, Isaiah actually prophesied what the Messiah would do when he came. It says, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. Bartimaeus, he has complete faith in Jesus' ability to, to restore him, throwing aside his coat in expectation. And the way that Bartimaeus addresses Jesus as well, it, it shows exactly his level of humility and understanding of Jesus' power and authority, where he says, let me go back to that, where he says, my rabbi, the word is actually rabboni, it means, it means stronger than just rabbi, teacher, means my Lord, my master. That's actually what that means. That's how he addresses Jesus. He recognizes who Jesus is. As we read on in verse 52, Jesus says to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Jesus heals him. He heals him, but it goes, it goes far beyond just the physical healing. There's obviously spiritual healing in this same moment. Bartimaeus was restored physically as well as spiritually. Jesus telling him that his faith has healed him. It echoes the message of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. Through faith. Faith saves us. Faith healed him. His sight is fully restored. This man has a new life ahead of him. But what does he do? What would you expect him to do? Somebody who's been blind for who knows how long has his sight restored. Wouldn't you think he would want to go back, find his, his loved ones, his family, friends, and go see all the things that he hasn't been able to see? Go and experience this, this life that, that everybody else has been experiencing all this time. But what does he do? He says he follows Jesus. He follows Jesus. In fact, in the ESV version of this verse, it says that Jesus says, go your way. Bartimaeus, he's healed and restored and told, told to go which way he chooses. But Bartimaeus chooses to make his way Jesus' way. He fully surrenders his life to Jesus. What Bartimaeus suddenly knew was that there was only one way worth following from here on out. There's only one way that he wanted to follow, and that was following Jesus. 
So what can we take away from this miracle that we read about? What can we take away from the reaction that we saw from Bartimaeus? Remember I asked you before, what's keeping you on the sidelines? I think a lot of people would say that Bartimaeus had every excuse to remain on the sidelines instead of following Jesus. He was poor, blind, had no life aside from begging on the roadside. But when the opportunity came to encounter Jesus, he cast everything aside for the hope of restoration. And he put his faith completely in Jesus. So what is keeping you on the sidelines? Are are you allowing other things to take priority in your life? Giving in to too many of the desires of the world? We all get caught up in the comforts of this world. Every one of us, we do. But we're never going to be fully satisfied by anything that the world has to offer us. Temporary satisfaction, maybe. It's never going to be full satisfaction. It's never going to really fulfill us. There's only one thing that can go with us into the next world, to eternity, and that's other souls, other people. That's the only thing that goes with us. Are you on the sidelines maybe because of the difficulties that you've experienced in your life? Maybe you feel that Jesus has let you down. I can tell you that he knows your pain and your heartache and that Jesus has experienced more pain and heartache than any one of us can even understand. Betrayed by his own people, taking on the sin of the world. He went through betrayal, torture, death to pay that debt that we all owe because of his overwhelming love for us. So I would tell you, if that's something that's keeping you sidelined today, don't let it. Lay your hurts down at Jesus' feet. He knows them already. And he wants to draw you closer to him, to heal you through that pain. And for those who still struggle to feel like they are unworthy, maybe, of God's love, of restoration, I can't imagine a better example than Bartimaeus. Even when the world is telling you lies, like that you're worthless, that you're too far gone, you've done too much to be forgiven by Jesus. Those are the lies of the enemy and the lies of the world. Cry out to Jesus through that, the way Bartimaeus did. And I can promise you that like Bartimaeus, Jesus is going to hear you. He hears you, and he sees you, and he wants to restore you and put you on the only path worth following, this one path that's worth following. In Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14, Jesus says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow, and the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. Don't let the world sideline you. Don't let your flesh sideline you. Don't let lies and the crowd sideline you. But follow that that path. 
the one and only way to eternal life with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I am so grateful, and I know we all are grateful today for this this amazing example of humility, desperation, and surrender to you, Lord. Bartimaeus had every excuse to give up on life, to pity himself and and cast aside all hope, but he didn't, Lord. Lord, while he was physically blind, he saw you for who you were. Lord, he sees you for who you are. And Lord, let that be an example to every one of us. Lord, I, I know that everybody here has has a different story today. We all have different things in our lives that have uh, kept us from fully surrendering our lives to you. We have things that continue to keep us that way. Lord, I pray that, that as we've studied this today, that we would be convicted of those areas of our life that we need to give over to you. Pain, resentment, heartache, idols in our lives that we're elevating over our being on mission with you. Lord, I pray for you to open our eyes to those today, that we would be able to, to recognize them, to give them over to you, to accept you as the only way, Lord, the only way that we want to follow from here on out. Lord, I pray for those that, that don't know you yet, that this would be an encouragement to them to know that nobody is beyond your grace and nobody is outside of your sight and your ears to hear. Lord, you have rescued many people here today from some dark places. And Lord, we are so grateful for that. We sing praises to you for that. We sing praises for what we continue to see you do. I pray as your church that we would continue to go out and, and seek the lost that you've called us to do, to speak life and truth into their lives. Lord, we love you for what you're continuing to do in our lives and what we know you're going to continue to do in the world around us. That as the day approaches of your return, that we would be a church that glorifies you, Lord. We love you and thank you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.